Hi everyone, this is Rami, and I'd like to extend a warm welcome for tuning back into the bonfires of social enterprise. We catch up with David Silver of Detroit Horsepower on this episode. David shares how he has benefited from using community partners and some strategies on how he selects talent for his team. And, of course, we have a wonderful song for you to debut from a Detroit artist at the end of this episode. Now, let's see about our fun fuel for this episode. We have Hudson Robertson of Traverse City, Michigan. Let's see what Hudson has for us. My name is Hudson Robertson, and I am bringing you the fun fuel for this episode. These are some interesting facts from the article, 30 Things You Probably Didn't Know About Horses by Mahala Hussar in the September 17th of 2013 publication. Did you know that an adult horse's brain only weighs about half that of a human 22 ounces? Did you know that horses have good taste in music? They like listening to classical music, finding it comforting and serene. Did you know that a horse's heart weighs 10 pounds? Did you know that a horses cannot breathe through their mouths? Did you know that horses drink at least 25 gallons of water a day, even more in hot climates? Did you know that horses' teeth never stop growing? Did you know that the oldest horse, horse on record has lived until the age of 62 years? Well, I hope you enjoyed these fun field facts on horses. This is Hudson Robertson. Enjoy the show. Aw, thank you, Hudson. Love the fun fuel. Now that we have our minds on the interesting features of horses, let's drop in on my conversation with David Silver of Detroit Horsepower. Okay, so let's catch up what's happening with Detroit Horsepower. We we touched base with you, you know, sort of mid-year 2016, and now it's at this time that we're talking, kind of early 2017, and uh, I've been, you know, following some of your social media, but I'd love to get an update of where you're at. Absolutely. Yeah, when we last spoke, um, we were just getting ready for our 2016 summer expansion. You know, we, we got started in 2015 with two weeks of summer camps that had 18 participants, and we grew. Summer 2016 was a big expansion for us. We had six weeks of camps with 91 participants. Um, you know, 11 of those original 18 were back for a second year, which was which was really exciting. Um, those kids were, you know, ha- had been waiting eagerly for for horse camp to come back, and and we were able to um, to grow and give uh, you know an additional uh, 70 plus kids that that kind of unique enrichment. Um, and and we had a really fantastic partnership this summer with uh, a horse facility called Ringside Equestrian Center, which is out in New Hudson. It's out um, out 96 on the way to Lansing. Um, it's not not that close to Detroit. It took us about 45 minutes each day, but really wonderful folks who donated the use of their space and their horses to continue in this kind of pilot model where we're bringing kids to where the horses are for these summer programs. Wow, awesome! How did and so how many did you have the year before? Because uh, you had ninety-one. Was, That's amazing. Yeah, big expansion over eighteen. You know, twenty fifteen yeah. was our was really like 
proof of concept. We had never done it before, um, and this isn't currently being offered in Detroit. So we we just got started, got our feet wet in 2015, and then really made a big push to do a lot more in this past year. And um, getting a little ahead of the conversation, but there's lots of exciting things coming ahead in 2017. Yeah. So while we're on the kids, did you notice something different about the 18 that came back? Yeah, out of the kids that came back, they they started from um, a, a place of like comfort and excitement and um, and 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 confidence. You know, they had already been around horses. Kids in our programs, you know, coming from the city, um, tend to start out you know, nervous, maybe a little uncertain, um, sometimes even afraid. Um, because uh, <laughs> if you want to. Try that one again. No, Sorry, no, that's, that's my okay. Dog. We, we're used to we, we're pet friendly around this podcast. <laughs> cool. Um, so you know when kids are coming in um, for the first time, day one is usually just a, just the orientation. You know, there's a lot of unfamiliar um, pieces of equipment. You know, it smells very different out in the horse barn. There's just, it's, it's kind of like being transported into a very foreign kind of environment. There's different words, vocabulary, um, and having, um, you know, kids who have been in the program before just really, they just jump right in. Um, they were able to teach the newer participants, um, or at least sort of like get them feeling more excited and more, um, comfortable starting out on the week. So, um, yeah, having, you know, and, and then it's just going to keep building, you know, as we go into year three, um, we've got some exciting plans for our most experienced students. Wow, okay. So, and we'll get to other space-type things in a minute, but, and then the average age group, is that still sort of, uh, I want to say, um, middle school-type age? What's the age range That's now been... of the participants? This year, you know, because we had more kids, we had a bigger range of ages. We had um, as young as six, which was actually younger than we were um, necessarily anticipating. Um, she did great. And um, and we had several high schoolers for the first time, which was also really exciting because we can do, we can do a lot um, more in some ways. We can engage kind of on a higher level with, um, with the older kids who are just um, able to process things. Um, differently than our younger students. So, um, yeah, the, and, and we did, you know, we work, we can, we're continuing to work with community partners. So we worked with, you know, year one, our students were from Burns Elementary Middle School, which is where I used to teach, and from Alternatives for Girls. And those partners returned in 2016, and we added four new partners. We worked with Summer in the City, Denby High School, um, Friends of Parkside, and the downtown boxing gym. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we connect with quite a few of those organizations. You're hitting all of the frontline folks trying to surround the youth with alternatives to what they see on a daily basis. Yeah, and those kind of collaborations are so valuable, especially for a new organization, newer organization like ourselves. You know, uh, most of those partners were able to help. Uh, facilitate transportation to get the kids out to the program each day. Um, you know, they already have a population of kids that they're working with and help us identify who will benefit most from this unique kind of enrichment. So, um, 
you know, it, it feels really good to be building on the work that has already been, you know, going on for many, many years in Detroit um, because we're much stronger when we work together. Oh, no question. I feel the same way about all things going on in the Detroit area. So is there anything I've been wanting to ask you this now that you've had kind of two seasons under your belt? Was there anything that surprised you about some of the kids' reaction or growth now that you've had – so you've had, I mean, the same 18, but let's say a hundred, more than 100 kids have come through interacting with the horses, many for the first time. Is there anything that uh, surprised you either way, pleasantly, or like, oh, i got to change that up next time? <laughs> or... You know, I I continue to be impressed, not necessarily surprised, but, but impressed with how talented our kids are. Um, there's a real uh, knack for, you know, whether it's the, the bond they have with the horse and, and the you know, real thoughtful care that they show when they're learning about um, the responsibility involved for horses, um, their skills as young riders, you know, to go from never having seen a horse to trotting independently on on the last day of camp um, is, is just continues to impress me and gets me really excited about, you know, the long-term trajectory because we only have these kids for five days and, um you know, if, if they're accomplishing this much in just a week when we have uh, year-round programming that's located in Detroit, then, you know, the, the possibilities are really just endless. Wow. And so what are your thoughts for uh, this coming uh, summer? And is that part of the location in Detroit? Or? Yeah, the location part it has some separate updates, but but um, yeah, 2017 we're going to keep growing. We had six weeks with 91 kids this past year. We're going to have eight weeks. We're projecting 150 participants um, in 2017, which is terrifically exciting. You know, to keep what we'll we anticipate bringing as many of the 91 back. Um, in year three, and then having an additional, you know, roughly 60 slots that we can get kids their first horse experiences. Um, we're we're going to add as well um, a, a leadership cohort where some of our core kids who have been returning year after year um, are going to have longer than a one-week uh, horse camp. They're going to come back uh for we're we're anticipating four weeks in a row um and those kids will uh develop a lot more horse care and riding skills because they'll have you know quadruple the amount of time than they've had in previous years but also take on some of the leadership for teaching the new students um which is which is really exciting i i think you know in in imagining what does uh impact look for us in the in the long run i think when our students feel empowered and able and excited about um what they've learned and they're able to articulate that and teach it to new kids that's where we see really sustainable and uh and broad based change for us for our young people yeah and it grows your capacity somewhat that's exciting yeah, it it's uh it's a big, you know, step up for us. We um we're, you know, 2 years into this, we we incorporated 
you know, with the state of Michigan, February 2015. So as of this recording, you know, we're not quite two years old. Um, and there's there's been, you know, a lot of exciting growth in the past couple of years. Um, and and we've reached this this really exciting and daunting transition point where, um, you know, I've, I've, I founded the organization. I've been the, the primary person, um, throughout the organization's lifetime. We have a phenomenal board, you know, the board grew from three to six members this past year, and they've been stepping up, um, in core areas, uh, to support our, our operations and our long-term growth. And we're, and we're adding, um, staff as well. So in some ways it's, it's a bit sad for me. I'm, I'm not going to be, uh, the one day to day leading the programming this summer. Um, we're going to have some of our core volunteers, um, come on as, as, uh, paid staff of Detroit horsepower and, and they're going to be running the show and I get to be there as much as I can. Um, but also with the flexibility to, um, continue to meet with the city to pursue our site selection and engage in the fundraising that we need to pursue uh, the long-term vision for Detroit Horsepower's success. Oh, David, that's exciting, and I know what you mean. It is hard to start to move away from some of the details or some of uh, our management team calls. It's exciting to get out of the weeds, but it's sad to leave the weeds because that's where all the that's where all the good stuff happens, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, that's where the work is, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, there's so much that's been getting done over the past few years, and and it's really exciting to have other phenomenally talented people join our team to carry the work forward. But it's you know I think it's a it's that moment of of uh growth for both the organization to grow in our capacity to accomplish more impact for for kids um and also reflecting on you know my growth as a leader and in transitioning um you know adding adding new tools to my tool belt you know I'm I'm still pretty young and learning all the time there's been uh been a really steep learning curve and this just is another step along that sort of mountain that we're climbing to realize all the ambitious goals that we've set out. <laughs> right. All right. And how have you, um, just for other listeners, this is always a topic of interest. How did you go through sort of a formal decision process to decide which of the volunteers to bring on, or did you go by instinct? I mean, I, t- I tend to work a lot by instinct and what I see people do uh, as in their behavior mm-hmm. but um, so I've never had a formal process and I probably should but do, did you engage in some sort of strategy when you went to decide or did you just say hey I think you're a fit the um, you know I feel really lucky that I've had uh, great mentors who have helped with our strategic planning and and some of those sessions were were difficult you know they were um making very clear you know that that not not growing um and investing in uh other people uh is really you know putting the the long term growth at at uh you know potentially not all all the work can't get done if it's just me 
um, because of the pace of growth that we've seen. And, you know, we, it, the, the process from there was, was relatively informal. You know, I had sort of a core group of folks that's, that's been stepping up in some cases really since the beginning and some folks who have joined us more recently. Um, but it's, it, it was pretty clear when it came time to make a decision that it had to be somebody who I could really trust, um, who was going to, you know, be a good thought partner and, and a, and a compatible, um, match for for you know the skill sets that Detroit horsepower needs and my own um uh needs in growing the team so we we sat down with uh uh three three of those core volunteers and had a conversation about the the roles that we were trying to fill and it was pretty it was pretty clear really from the beginning that there was one person who was um uniquely suited to address multiple roles and really step up in a great way. And we've been working together really well for the last really, you know, six plus months. And um, yeah, so, so the, this process has been uh, stressful in, in some ways, you know, it's new and I'm, I'm learning and trying to figure it out. Um, there's a lot of, you know, con- questions that you have to wrestle with and, uh, IRS guidelines that you have to make sure that we're compliant with, and um, and then just the individual sort of making sure that that uh, she's appropriately compensated and that that we're working within Detroit Horsepower's financial capacity and um, and that the workload is reasonable and all all the stuff that I've never done before. Um, and very glad to have patient and uh, hardworking people along this journey with me to uh to assist along the way. Yeah, well, well well said. You're pretty eloquent about it. You make it sound like <laughs> financially and sometimes I think that uh you know, a good person starts to come around and they're passionate and and you can trust them. Sometimes they present opportunities, they bring opportunities with them. Mm. They use their skill set. They identify things that can be done that if it's not in our wheelhouse, we don't even see them. We can end up with a bit of a blind spot uh, to where yes. talent can really fit. And I uh, thank God for good advisors and good talent that has surrounded us. It's really pushed me in the same way. So I get it. Well, and so in that transition to this great because truly, truly, you are um, such an advocate and spokesperson for why the youth need to come around the horses and using this space, and so you do need to be out expanding the role and, and the financial capacity. So is that the role you're going to take? You're really going to work more with fundraising and seeing if you can move it from eight weeks to 10 or 12? <laughs> so let's go there. Well, yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, we're, our goal is, is to expand it to 52 weeks so that we can have year-round programs in the city limits, um, and certainly fundraising is, is going to be a big part of that in terms of the ambitious operating budget that we've set for um, this year and, and our, our operating budget that will come together for 2018. Um, But more so, you know, building uh, the donor relationships and uh, foundation relationships and and opportunities for corporate philanthropy that are going to uh, help us reach the long-term goal of repurposing vacant land to build 
a new urban horseback riding center where the, these programs can be available all throughout the year right in our kids' neighborhoods. Um, so that fundraising is a big piece of that. And then there's the, the side of city approval uh, and, and site selection, you know, finding the right fit of um, space that uh, horses are going to do well on. 15 to 20 acres is our target um, that doesn't have soil contamination and is in a neighborhood that where community members want horses to be part of uh, the neighborhood's future. And, uh, yeah, so we're, there are some, some uh, continued progress in those fields. Um, we're, we're having good conversations with uh, council and the mayor's office about uh, the proposal that we're moving forward with and, and narrowing the scope of our site selection. You know, we're really excited about um, an abandoned golf course in northwest Detroit where community members have been very supportive of horses um, and a portion of Chandler Park on the east side where we think we do well and um, we worked with kids from the adjacent uh, housing development that's right next to the site that we're interested in and those kids had a phenomenal time and, and would be our biggest advocates if that was where we focused our energies. Wow. And so really it's continuing to walk through the process and I don't think people realize how long it takes. Everyone says to me things like, oh, it's Detroit, there's all this property up for grabs, but when you're, mm. just as you mentioned, and we talked about this in your first episode too uh, last season, that there's other issues like the soil can't be contaminated and that sounds simple, but I'm sure there's a lot to that process and then how do you contain some of the waste, right? Th those all have to factor yeah. in, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, we've put together uh, a, a good starting point on our facility management plan, which has to it has to make sure that we're good neighbors. You know, bringing horses into a denser urban environment, um, things are going to have to be different than a than a traditional, you know, uh, a fifty acre horse property where you can spread your manure on your own. Uh, fields, you know, we're we're going to have to be more strategic in in waste removal, which hopefully can be done in a way to compost and support local agriculture. Um, we're going to, you know, need to make sure that the horses are uh, secured in terms of if a horse got loose, it's not going to end up on a roadway or in somebody's front lawn. Um, and and that you know we're we're designing a space that residents feel at home at. You know, we want this to be a real community hub where neighbors feel a sense of ownership and belonging through both the youth that, you know, are participating in our in our programs, but also that it's you know, our our the design that we um engage in will meet the community's needs in other ways and, and that could look like, you know, block club meeting space. It could be space for, for regular cookouts and community gatherings, um, other kinds of recreation. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're very excited to, um, to hone in on uh, one particular site where we can use the voices of residents to draw out exactly what this is going to look like um, because we, we have this terrifically unique opportunity to do something on a scale and level of impact that other cities can't 
entertain. You know, there are there are precedents of horses in other urban settings, but uh, they're mostly using uh, legacy infrastructure from you know old mounted police stables, um, or they're they're kind of squeezed in into um, you know you know development sort of surrounded them and and they're pretty constrained. Um, so we have a really unique opportunity. It, like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, there's many, many hurdles to, to jump and in relationships that we're building um, to take the time and make the case and explain to folks who don't necessarily have a horse background um, why horses can be a tremendous force for good in the lives of youth and in building stronger Detroit neighborhoods. Yeah, that's super exciting. And I want to leave us time really quick to ask about just two other things. Uh, So now it was always the thought in the beginning that um, you would eventually later on add on what I would call the enterprise area of your Mm -hmm. school um, by maybe boarding some of the horses and that. Has that changed at all or is that still part of the long-term plan? It is. Uh, it, 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 it hasn't changed, um, but it's getting kind of an update. Um, we are currently working with, um, well, I should say, you know, this, this got started. We went through um, Wayne State's uh, program. It, it was called Blackstone Launchpad, and it's kind of been rebranded as Innovation Warriors, which was a, a, a business plan coaching competition, which really built off the what we started developing through the Build Institute Social Entrepreneurship Program, which is where we met, Rami, and uh, way back in the day. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of assumptions in the work we did there. It was it was um, a great start, but it really needed some additional work. And we've been, over the last couple of months, working with um, business school students from the Ross School at U of M, and uh, they have a program called Detroit Revitalization in Business and they, we have um, four four grad students who are um, helping uh, improve our um, market research with some improved um, surveys that we're rolling out now, um, testing some of the assumptions we made on the cost side um, to make sure that we are, uh, you know, our, our models are pretty rigorous about the. Um, yeah, the liabilities involved with with horse boarding, and and that the financial model really is sound. That there is that there's a market that will uh, you know be able to at least cover the costs. You know, where where there's not a whole lot of revenue in horse boarding. Sorry, there's not a whole lot of profit in horse boarding. Um, it's it's a pretty good industry to break even, um, and that's that's an exciting prospect. For us, when we have significant fixed costs in labor, in maintenance, in insurance, in utilities, and if we can cover those basic operating expenses through earned income, um, that's a really exciting prospect for our long-term financial sustainability. Oh, yeah. It allows you to continue to grow because after a while, it's hard to continue to grow your donations and grants every year in addition uh, to keeping the same momentum because everybody has life changes in organizations that give. So it helps yeah. to pay for some of that. And I just wanted to highlight that for a minute and and just talk about how wonderfully and responsibly you've done this. I find 
social entrepreneurs across the board get a lot of pressure to do both the enterprise and the social at the same time. And in my opinion, from what I've witnessed over the last 15 years as I've started to focus on this, it's rare that they both get started on even footing right out of the Mm -hmm. gate uh, well. Uh, It's really more common to start out of a nonprofit and then add in the enterprise element or vice versa, get your enterprise going and then add on the social. You know, while it starts out as the intent and – and, you know, that's what you really want to move towards. It's not always practical, depending on the style of your organization, to launch with both and do it perfectly. So I just want to encourage, because people don't move forward sometimes. I hear a lot of people saying, well, mm. i got to wait until this is all perfect. And it just, <laughs> like, it just doesn't work that way. Every once in a while, you we see them pop up with exactly a 50-50 mix, and that's amazing, but it's it's less likely than moving towards your goal over time. And that's why we have all these wonderful structures. And I I guess I just wanted to highlight and comment you on your courage to stay in your lane for a season until it made sense to add on the other, the other piece. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and in some sense, you know, we've had um, advantages of, you know, building out our social impact model and then, continue to refine and expand the vision for the the social enterprise um, because a lot of our uh, outreach has been to horse folks. You know, uh, we, we, I think that when we open the facility and have our, our first crop of boarders, uh, a large percentage of them will be past Detroit horsepower volunteers. These are, these are passionate horse folks in the Metro Detroit area um, that we've been reaching out to for our social impact side, and they're actually part of our our target market on the boarding side as well. So we're we happen to be, I think, in a stronger position when we uh, successfully launch the enterprise side because of the the marketing and branding, and just the the customer discovery and the outreach that we're able to do uh, in the meantime through our uh, nonprofit work. Yeah, there's such a strengthening when you just organically grow the way it makes sense. Uh, you know, I always try to say it's exciting to be in a hurry, but we don't have to be in a hurry because every <laughs> every day, every day that you stay at your mission, no matter what direction you're coming from, the enterprise first or the social first or both, every day that you get up and you make an attempt to run the shop again or run your organization somebody's getting helped along the way and the world is better for the existence in most cases. So I just want to want to cheerlead. David, thank you for taking the time to get on here and let us get an update. Uh, we can't wait uh, to see the new space when it happens, when and if, but right now I just want to... Oh, definitely when. Yeah, I just want to... <laughs> I think it's coming soon, soon is from what I understand, but... Uh, I just want to thank you for all the stuff you're doing for the youth with these horses and all the teaching that we know you're doing way beyond teaching them how to ride and care for a horse. There's so much impact that comes off onto these kids. So thank you, David. And um, and we will be circling back for interview three uh, pretty soon, I have a feeling. Uh, I look forward to it. You know, I really appreciate um you know, taking the time to 
share our story and uh, both, you know, being very proud of, of what we've done so far and, uh, you know, excited for the many, many things that are ahead. Um, we're moving forward and, and having platforms like this to um, share the journey is, uh, is great for us. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks so much, David, for taking the time to give us an update. I just have this feeling that big, giant things are going to come out of that organization. David is just incredibly steadfast. <laughs> Alrighty, time to close out this episode with a song. These songs and artists are provided by our friends at Assemble Sound of Detroit. Please meet Jay Norm and his song, Love After. Talk to you next time.